dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Amongst the great minds of Western civilization, St. Thomas Aquinas holds a very special place. As a Catholic priest, he united the depths of our faith with the real practical situations that people face every day. He does this in an amazing way when it comes to making decisions. And for all of us in the working world, we know how important this skill set is. In this first of a series, I try to open the wisdom of St. Thomas Aquinas to help us learn an essential skill for our leadership, how to ask for advice. Hey everybody, I'm so glad to be back with you again and, and glad to open up St. Thomas Aquinas once more with you. We, you know, as we try to develop our leadership skills, we, we, we look for different sources and there's all kinds of great podcasts and the great books out there. We know that. But I just kind of wonder if maybe our faith itself doesn't have some wisdom to bear on this. I mean, when you look back over Catholicism anyway, you're looking at a religion that has its roots in now over 2,000 years of history. And if you add the Judaic tradition on top of that, you're looking at something like 6,000 years of learning. I wonder what it has to say about how we should live. And uh, I mean, like, well, it, it makes the claim, of course, itself, the Bible, that, that everything that's in it is useful for good living and for making decisions and for learning how to be successful in life. So I don't know, but being a priest myself, I, I, I'm fascinated with that concept. And I want to take you into some of the lessons that it does teach us, right? So the way I'm going to do that is surprising. I'm, I'm going to rely upon a Catholic friar, a priest named St. Thomas Aquinas, who spent his life literally trying to understand some of the wisdom that was found in scripture. And he wrote it down in this big book called the Summa, right? It's a Latin word, right? It's the Summa of Theology. And the Summa, it breaks down the intelligence of scripture in a way that's, that's didactic, right? So going from step by step through it, so that by reading the Summa, you're able to see in an ordered fashion the intelligence that God puts into his holy word. So it's admittedly a little bit less direct than just commenting on scripture myself, but, I, but I, there's so much to learn because Thomas brings to bear a lot of the, the philosophies of the time and a lot of the weight of Christian thinking over the years in order to make his commentary on scripture very poignant and very rich, right? And so we see this in one particular spot that I want to start with with you. And that's when he goes through how we make a decision. Obviously, this is of extreme importance for all of us because we have to make decisions all the time. And even the question of whether or not we succeed or fail in, in life will be largely dependent upon the decisions that we make. And making good decisions is not an option for someone in leadership. As soon as you're in a role of leadership, you are judged based upon the decisions that you make. 
I remember watching a, a, a Jeff Bezos give a talk uh, for the founder of Amazon, one of the wealthiest men in the world. And he talked about uh, to executives what their role was in a company. And he said, he, now he's speaking, of course, for very huge you know, multinational companies. But he said, you're paid to make three decisions a week. Now, he didn't say which ones they were, of course, right? But his, his point was, that's all the more, this is that your decisions need to be the right ones. So you need to take time to sleep, time to eat, time to think, time to poise yourself so that your decisions that you make that will make the, the difference for your company be the best decisions, right? So obviously for those individuals, lots hang on those decisions, but we make decisions every day, even about small things. And, but yet, and yet the success of our actions is still going to depend largely upon the quality of those decisions. So if you want to be a great leader, you need to make great decisions. Then the question comes, what is it that the Bible has to say about making great decisions? Well, let's take a look at what Thomas Aquinas teaches us. For Aquinas, making a decision is, first of all, an act of the mind. He actually says what a choice is. A judgment our reason makes about what is to be done. Okay, so a decision in practical terms is you saying, this is what I need to do. This action is what I need to do in order to succeed at what I want to do. Okay, so that's a judgment of the mind, first of all. And that helps us a lot because a lot of times people think, gosh, decisions based upon your gut, it's based upon your emotions. It might be based upon different things, that's true. So making a decision for Aquinas is very much like finding the truth. Given my circumstances and given what I'm trying to do, what is to be done? What is the, the next logical and best way for me to proceed? And then he goes on to say, well, since it's about truth and about finding truth, making a decision really is a logical process that begins with the end in mind. Decisions begin with the end in mind. This is very important. He's, it's a process of working backwards. The very first thing I need to do is say, where do I want to end up? And of course, this is very difficult for people to decide because they, they don't necessarily know where they want to end up. Well, that's the problem. There's no way you can make a decision to get somewhere if you don't know where you're going, <laughs> right? The easiest way to get lost going anywhere is to not know where you're going to begin with. Well, how are you going to make the right decisions in life if you don't start with having a clear picture of where you want to go? Now, of course, practically, this is a very difficult thing to do because, well, things change and we don't have a clear shot on everything. So you go as far out as you can. But having a knowledge of this is some of the non-negotiables of where I want to be. I want to be with my family. I want to be close to my parents. I want to be in a location that's warm. I don't know, whatever the decision might have to be, but where it, you look as, for as much of it as possible down the road that you can pinpoint and that becomes the starting point for then the decision-making process that your mind goes through when it evaluates, is this step going to get you closer or not towards that end goal? But that's what you're now doing. You're now evaluating between this and that, which one is, is better suited for the here and the now and the situation that you're in to bring you closer to the goal that you need to get to. You know, taking all factors into consideration. And that's why having that end goal in mind is, is clear. So the very first step that he gives us is to not be afraid to dream. And I think this is really important because sometimes we Christians, we think that being creative or being powerful in our dreams is somehow against God. 
Uh, we, we have this notion that somehow or other God just doesn't like it when we exist or when we think freely. <laughs> and of course, that's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. Take, for example, the parable of the 10 talents, how God rewards the person who took the talents and did great things with them. He actually had to deploy his creative energy and, and, and negotiate in the business world of all things in order to multiply his talents from five to 10. It's incredible, right? Or think again about how the apostles were given 153 fish that they caught in their net the day when Christ appeared to them by Tiberiad, uh, right? I mean, 153, the nets were breaking. Or look at the creative industry of John the Baptist and how he was preaching and he, he preached so that all of Jerusalem was coming out to see him. I mean, I'm just not quite sure that thinking small about our lives is what God wants, wants from us. I mean, it, the understanding all humility, our limitations is one thing, but to dream big within those limitations is quite another. And part of the reason why that we have a hard time making decisions is because most of us aren't even sure we want to go anywhere at all. I mean, most of us, honestly, our love is not engaged in our life in a strong enough fashion. So we're just getting by. We're trying to please ourselves, please other people, try to make it through life. And so our decisions lack, well, they lack energy. They lack the kinetic explosive energy that they ought to have. And, it's, and the fault is that we, we don't have a bigger dream that's taking possession of us, that's driving us forward. A Christian has that dream. We're here to glorify God and to glorify him in the greatest possible way that we can. <laughs> and we're here to, to help one another and lift up a broken world. What are we doing with our time and our energy? Why, why are we being so boring? You know, if you're having a hard time deciding on what you want to be in life, start with the goal at the end. Start with the dream, the desire, and the passion, and then your mind will find a pathway towards it. But you have to dare to dream to begin with. Daring to dream is part of what it means to follow the King of Kings. Would you like to hear more from Father Nathan? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a two-minute glance at the gospel every Sunday morning right to your phone. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. So St. Thomas Aquinas just does a great job of opening the scriptures for us and kind of unpacking what's found throughout the Bible around how we make a decision and what's the best way to do it. And he does it by getting into the mechanics of the thing, really, and, and saying if everything that God says in the Bible about decisions is going to rely upon the structure that the Bible reveals to us concerning decisions. And that structure is that it begins with the end in mind. So to, for us to have a clearer vision of where we want to go, maybe not ultimately, but as close to the ultimate as you can, will help you to make the best decisions that you need to make. But not everything, Thomas underlines, is actually subject of making a decision. It's in a summa that I'm talking about. First part of the second part, question 14. And Thomas asks the question, should we be deliberating about everything? Like, is everything that we do the object of a process of discernment? And he says, no. He says, there's two things that you never have to discern about. One is the things that have already been determined to work. Right? The way that things operate aren't subject of discernment. Right? He uses the example, he says a, a printer, for example, doesn't take the time to question how he should form the letters. 
he, he questions how we should use the letters in order to express the words, right? And so in the same way, we don't have to discern about whether or not we should be good or whether or not we should go to heaven or whether or not love is an important thing. Th- these are things you don't discern about. And he says, the second thing you never discern about is trivialities, small things. And this is important because uh, you meet some people every once in a while and they just, they're kind of lost in life. They, they would get drowned in a teaspoon, right? That's the French expression. <laughs> they would drown in a teaspoon and, and, and the littlest things become overwhelming to them. And Aquinas says, no, you, you do not have to discern everything. And, and what you have to discern are things that could be different. You need to sit down and take counsel about things that could change. Right? Things that are, are, are linked to other contingencies in your life. Things that are therefore uncertain. And he says that this is an important thing. Not everything in life is certain. And I think this, when you're making a decision, Aquinas says, you have to realize you're in a place that can admit doubt. A place that you can have a certain skepti- skeptical approach to because nobody knows for sure what's going to happen when. It's like that old saying, nobody knows the future. You don't know what's going to happen in the economy. You don't know what's going to happen given this or that change in the global environment. You don't know what's going to happen if you don't hire this person or if you do. There is no absolute certainty in life about things that are contingent. There is an absolute certainty in life about God, about heaven, about Jesus and salvation and grace Right? But these are things that we're not discerning about. We know, in other words, that's where we're going to go. But we need to have a phase. He calls it the concilium right, of counsel, concilium. And concilium actually comes from the Latin word considerum, considerum, which means to sit down together. A time where you, you bring together different voices in your life to help you weigh your options because options are never certain. And, and I think that that's so liberating for us because many of us, especially if you're a good Catholic, you walk around, you think you're supposed to know what God wants you to do and then you're supposed to do what you know he wants you to do, right? So like the, for most Catholics, the big drama is simply, will I do or not do what I know I'm supposed to do? But that, that's true when it comes to morality, right? Morality, you know, you're not supposed to do bad things and you're supposed to do loving things. But when it comes to doing this loving thing or that loving thing, a different way of making the decision needs to be employed. And that's very liberating. It's a way that says, well, when it's a choice between goods and I could go to this college or I could go to that college and both of them are good and glorify God, how do I then operate? It's not as clear cut as saying avoid sin and do what is loving. What is the most loving thing that I can do? And then you've got all kinds of factors to balance because then you've got to balance, well, I got to love myself, Right. And then I have to love my friend. And then I have to love my friend more than I love my enemy, but I still have to love my enemy. And what if I, how am I supposed to do something with someone who's betrayed me in the past? How often do I forgive them? And if I forgive them, is that, is that the same as forgetting what they did? And oh my goodness, now all of a sudden you're in a murky land. And the, the law that you have to remember, and it's so nice to hear Thomas Aquinas tell us this here in the Summa, is, is that you, you won't know. It's not a matter of knowing for sure. It's a matter of making the best choice that you can given the knowledge that you have. And so he recommends that you consider the thing. You sit together with some people that you know and that know the situation. So there's two different qualities that a good counselor has, according to Aquinas. 
the first the quality is that they actually know how to do the thing that you're looking to accomplish. And for here, he says a very interesting line. He says, you're not looking for people who have abstract truth here. Okay. You're looking for people who actually live in the contingencies that you are facing. I think that that's so wonderful to hear from a theologian saint, right? Who never had to build anything in his life. And there was Thomas Aquinas writing books and praying all day. And you could say, what does he know about life? Well, he knows enough to say that he doesn't know. I mean, if you're trying to build a house in the swamps of the bayous of Louisiana, don't ask someone who lives in Maine. They, they don't know how to build in the bayou. Building in the bayou is a whole different ball of wax. Or, or, or working with people from one part of the country with their culture and their understanding of things. You got to get close to people who are actually doing what you're trying to get done, you see? Because those people have a type of knowledge that you can't learn in books. It's the knowledge of experience, right? The, to know that if you go this route, this is going to fail. And if you try it this way, this will work. It, it, sometimes it's, it's intuitive, but the greatest artists understand that intuition. And great leaders are able to leverage that type of knowledge and give it more weight than what you can get in some theoretical way. And Aquinas backs it up. If you're going to choose counselors, choose people who know how to get the thing done in the actual practicalities that you're facing. Second thing that a good counselor has to have, according to Aquinas, is they have to be someone that you yourself interface with well. They've got to know you. And that's important because when you have to do something and you're trying to figure out the best way to get it done, remember that you are more than half of the equation of whether or not it succeeds. And that means that knowing your mental state, knowing your rest, whether or not you're rested or not, knowing your skill set and determination, knowing who you are is essential to being evaluating the means. For some people, doing things in a certain way is the best way and other people could never do it in that way. And so a counselor needs to both see what needs to be done and then be able to weigh up who you are. So if you're hiding yourself from your own, you know, advice givers and, and you're trying to put on your best face and you're trying to not look like you're, you're not incompetent or whatever, you're not going to get good advice. You got to be open and honest and say, given who I am, what's my pathway forward? And then have a counselor who's able to understand that, understand the vicissitudes of what you're facing, put the two together to choose the pathway that's best for you. I think you can see that why this is important and why Aquinas also emphasizes the importance for diversity. Now, not diversity based on some shallow thing, you know, that is invented in many of the workspaces today. It's not even real diversity, real diversity, meaning being people that actually come with different ways of seeing how the thing can succeed, not in order to force some sort of social project, but in order to help you to have the biggest perspective of the different options that are on the table. Right? This is why you shouldn't hesitate to have conflict in your, in, in your meetings when you're trying to decide the best thing. If you're at work and you're working on this project, you would welcome voices that are divergent. And we have to be really careful in our meetings to make sure that we encourage those divergent voices. Wait a second. What does this person say? What does this person say? Why are you guys saying different things? Let's bring it out. Sometimes the people that work for us are so anxious to please us that they'll lead us into failure, but they'll not blame you for the failure. <laughs> because in the end, you didn't do a good enough job of really digging around to try to find the conflict, bringing it out from where it's hidden 
and then leveraging those divergent opinions in order to find the, the, the weaknesses to any given argument that you have in order to move forward in the best way possible. Remember that it does the, the, in the phase of consideration or discerning or, or thinking things through, you have the ability to just start over again. Remember one time I was working with an architect and, and we were talking about a plan for a building and, and he said, well, father, like if you change your mind now, all I have to do is erase it on a piece of paper. It's not hard. But if you change your mind afterwards, then I've got to rip a wall down. It's a lot more expensive, you know? And his point was, it doesn't matter now. Let's make the best decisions that we can because later on, the goal is to have a successful action to get to where we're trying to go. And so for that, a diverse group that knows you well and that knows what actually needs to be done on the ground is the, the, the key element for you being able to make the discernment that then you have to make to get to where you're going. Would you like to start your Thursday mornings with a scriptural leadership lesson? Join the St. John Leadership Network where Father Nathan hosts a 30-minute call at 6.30 a.m. in all four U.S. time zones. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. So a Christian makes decisions just like everybody else, even though we have faith, right? So we make decisions in the light of a revelation of truth that's ultimate and that therefore gives us a depth to our decision, right? That most people don't have. I mean, we're thinking about heaven, you know, and, and, and a faith also that gives us a guidelines on, on what's going to get us to that ultimate goal, what's right and wrong and morality. So we have certain advantages there, but the structure of actually making it, going through the process is the same. And this is where the Bible is, is really beautiful for us because it takes the natural process, which is the same for everybody, everybody who's human, and then it shows us how God respects that natural process and is glorified by it. This is why we should never be ashamed to be people of, of the professional world who have to be responsible for decisions. Every once in a while you meet Christians that just walk around and they're like, well, I prayed to the Holy Spirit and he told me this. And I'm like, I mean, that's fine. I'm not criticizing that. It's just that most of us who are in the professional world, we can't afford to say that to our, our board of trustees. <laughs> Can you imagine telling your board members, well, I mean, the Holy Spirit just told me to do it. They might say that's fine, but we can't entrust our entire business into the hands of someone who can't show us rationally and responsibly why they made the decisions that they made. And so we who are in the professional world, though, that can make us sometimes feel like we're not holy, like we're not being good Christians. Well, no, you need to pray to the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. But I'm here to tell you what the Bible shows us again and again is that the Holy Spirit respects the human way of coming to decisions. There are times when biblical figures simply decide things, but there are also the majority of the time where they go through a process of trying to find the path that God's laid out for them by going through the normal steps and even when they have to make a decision just because they seem like God enlightened them in that way, they still are assuming this structure of responsibility. They knew that God was saying that to them. It was beyond a doubt and they were ready to be responsible for whatever will happen based upon those decisions because they're so sure of it. Like that, that's, that's what's there because God always respects the nature of the things that he made. And he made the human mind to proceed amidst contingency and possibilities in a way that admits deliberation 
and choice of the best route possible based upon the best knowledge that you have in order to allow his subjects, that is us, to, to choose the great things for him, but to do so in a way that's truly human. And, and taking radical risks based upon what might be a feeling or an emotion, this is not required uh, by God, at least all the time. There might be exceptional moments, but what's required by God is that we embrace the beautiful process that's a part of the way that our mind works. And Aquinas, Thomas Aquinas breaks this down for us. And he says, you start with the end in mind, and then you work backwards step by step until you get to the first thing that needs to be done. Your decision has come to an end when you've correctly linked, he says, one pathway to the next uh, that is going to connect you from where you are now to your end goal. But you'll only know that you found that when you come to the term of your decision, which is the next thing to get done. And I like that very much because sometimes, again, people can get really lost in the labyrinths of their minds when it comes to making a decision. You could say, well, what am I, what's the right way to go about this? You'll know that it's the right thing when you have a date and a time and a circumscribed action of what you are going to do in order to get to the top of that mountain that you've picked out along the way. It's called having a strategy. And it's what we try to do. We have a council around us. We've got advisors with us, but all of them are working backwards to get to that very first thing. And therefore make that first thing extremely concrete so that you can pull the trigger easily. And you know, from point A to point B to point C to point D, this is your path. Then you put it all in God's hands. Why? Because almost for sure, the moment you get to point A, point B will have shifted. <laughs> it's just the nature of the beast, isn't it? You mean you can make your plan A, but you better have a plan B and a plan C too, right? Because as you make these, things change. You change, your environment changes, situations change. I mean, and the great leaders all know this. The best plans are always dynamic. They're always flexible, able to be changed, able to, able to be adjusted. This is so powerful because it requires of us who are Christians that we get over our perfectionism and thinking that somehow or other we're going to have the right answer all the time. The right answer might just be the next answer. But once you get to the next answer, you're better off to see what could be the right answer. But if you stay where you are and you don't make any decisions at all, you'll never find your way forward. I want you to remember this from St. Thomas Aquinas. If you could sum up what he's saying about, you know, take, making decisions and thinking things through and considering options, it's this. God loves those who try. And there's a line from a prayer by Thomas Merton, which is very beautiful. Lord, help me to remember that the desire to please you does in fact please you. With that spirit in mind, we dare the heights. We don't hold back. We make the best decision. We own it. And then we pivot to make an even better one as life unfolds. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at communications at stjohninstitute.org. That's communications at stjohninstitute.org. And visit www.stjohninstitute.org and sign up for our newsletter to receive updates from Father Nathan.